Uh, let me take y'all back. It's 2011. I'm sitting in the cafeteria of my all-guys Catholic school in Detroit. Now, the school's predominantly white. Like, we're diverse enough that we have black and brown kids on the brochures and on the website, but white enough that, like, most of my classmates have never seen Roots. And this particular day, I'm just at the lunch table, eating my mom's spaghetti with a bunch of my white friends from the suburbs, mostly lacrosse and hockey players. We're talking about the NHL playoffs, because back in 2011, the Red Wings were actually in the playoffs. And one of my friends stops and he looks at me and says, you know, Bryce, we like you a lot. Now, when he said that, I'm thinking, oh, he's probably gonna invite me to his house to watch the game later, or he's gonna ask if I'm gonna try out for lacrosse next year. I'm thinking something positive. But then he continues. He goes, you know, Bryce, we like you a lot because you're not like all the other black kids. I know, right? It's terrible. I almost spit out the spaghetti. Now, when he said that, I had two options. I could keep eating my spaghetti and not say anything and ignore it. Or I could tear him a new one and tell him, you just called me an Uncle Tom in so many words, mother I could keep it real, as Dave Chappelle used to say. But I had to, you know, analyze my surroundings real quick. I had to Tom Brady and read the offense real quick. No black kids heard this, so... Because someone would have thrown something at this point. So clearly no one heard this except me. So you want to know what I did? I kept eating my spaghetti. What up, what up? I'm Bryce Huffman. That story you just heard was from high school. That was before I knew how to read the room. How to decide when to speak up when someone says something that offends me or attacks me for being black. You know, I gotta think through this kind of thing every day. A lot of marginalized people do. That's why I started this show. Same, same, different. Here's how it's gonna work. It's gonna be five episodes. We're gonna be talking to people about identity, otherness, and how to survive it. But not just survive it, survive it without losing our sanity. Today we've got two people on the show, and they both have to read the room a lot. Austin Channing Brown is a writer. Her book is I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. And we've got Sidney Harcourt. He's an actor and musician in New York. He's been on Broadway a bunch, including the original cast of Hamilton. And he's used to being one of the only multiracial performers in the room. Thanks to you both for being here. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, so I'm going to put 10 seconds on the clock, and I would like you to each rattle off all the ways you identify. I'll go first. All right. I am a black, cisgender, straight man. I am from Detroit. I am a Leo. I am a Central Michigan graduate, and I'm a comedian. So, Austin, you can go whenever you are ready. Mm-hmm. I am a black woman, Christian, straight, cisgendered, uh, mother, daughter, wife. All right. Great. And Sydney. Uh, I am an artist. I'm a son and husband. I'm mixed, uh, black, white, and Cherokee. I am a cisgendered gay man, non-religious, and a human. All right. We're talking about otherness. Uh, I know there's some pushback against that term, but have you ever like felt that way? Felt like an other? 
I've never not felt like another. <laughs> <laughs> What does it feel like to be not another? <laughs> Is wow. the, be a, another question. Um, I actually, I was just working with a musician, a uh, guy I love, um, who was telling me about his birthright trip where he went to Israel, and. He said, "You know, uh, Sid, that was the first time I really, truly realized that sense of like community and just belonging, and you know, really having that tribe. Uh, you know that you know that's so great that so many people feel that everybody feels." And I was like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I've moved in and out of otherness. So there, are, I spend most of my life in predominantly white America. Um, Same. But, right? But then I have moments where I'm surrounded by my all-black family or an all-black neighborhood or an all-black church. or So I feel like I'm constantly sort of moving in and out of otherness. But sometimes it's real easy to not feel quite black enough for black folks. To... I oh. fully agree. <laughs> <laughs> mm, mm, mm. So it's not, it's not permanent, right? It's not just because I'm around black people that I feel everything that everyone else in the room is feeling. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. It just, it depends. It just changes. When was the first time in your life you could like look back to and think that was like the first time I felt like the other? Oh man, uh, probably in elementary school when this is so small, but so big, when the teacher was rattling off things that we should do every day, brush our teeth, do our homework mm -hmm. and ended with wash your hair. And I thought, mm, hmm. no, <laughs> no, not only do I not do that every day, I should not do that every day. <laughs> and immediately had this awakening that my teacher's life was not like mine and that she had no idea what mine was like. Uh, I would say mine was close. Elementary school, I got through relatively unscathed or at least unaware. Mm -hmm. um, in sixth grade, I went to a middle school that was primarily black. And uh, it was the first time I used I get, why do you talk like that? Yeah. Why do yep. you dress like yeah. that? Yep. What, and and it, I was really made to feel like this other thing, like why are you making these choices right. that are outside of your options? Have you been marking other on applications for your like your entire life? <laughs> If it's there. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize it's not even always there. Sometimes it's just the, you know, the actual choices. I see. Um, uh, but, you know, even on like I go to commercial auditions, um, they don't often ask you your race on a form at an audition, but commercial auditions are a little different. Mm -hmm. And in the last, I'd say, two, three years, they've started having like specific calls for people of indiscriminate race or mixed wow. race. Sure. And they have boxes to check of like check all that apply. And it also has like a mixed race box. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, I've I, because I'm when you look at me, I'm very obviously like a black man. I've never mm -hmm. even had to think about like the checking boxes part of it. I always think of it from the way that people actually like treat me. So it's interesting to just hear you talk about things that seem kind of subtle, but are like really big to us. Yeah, well, you know, in my experience, um, people can't tell what you uh, what I am, at least by what I look like. Because 
I'm so mixed that I could be a multitude of races. Um, you know, uh, Arabic people think I'm Arabic. Dominicans think I'm Dominican. Mm-hmm. Puerto Ricans think I'm Puerto Rican. And until I open my mouth, that's when people start, like, either asking questions or making assumptions. Oh, well, then where are you from? Right. Well, you're from Detroit, so you're black. Right. And, <laughs> right. Right. You know, oh, and then so they have their box that they're like, now I know how to categorize you. Now I know how to relate to you. Oh, this uh. is so interesting because my name is Austin. Before mm-hmm. people see me, they assume that a white man is going to show up and walk into the room. <laughs> mm. Right. And so I have th- I have this moment often when people go, oh, <laughs> right, right. you're Austin. <laughs> like, yeah. I am. You know, I can relate a little bit to that. When I was in college, I had a job where I was selling knives to mostly people that went to, like parents of kids that went to my high school, and they would refer me to their friends and then just say, hey, this kid went to my son's high school. His name is Bryce Huffman. And because my name is, is, my first name's British and my last name's German, they just assume, you know, a white kid from a Catholic school to show up. And then Mm -hmm. I show up and I'm like, holding up a bag of knives, like, hey, I want to do the demo for you today. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sydney Harcourt, they expect a British woman to show up. Oh, sure. <laughs> oh, I feel so seen right now. <laughs> yeah, that's the way that this is, that's how this show's supposed to work. That's how this whole process is supposed to work. Right. So I got to ask, how do you both respond, like, when someone says something that offends you? I think that depends on context. So Mm -hmm. I'm a writer and speaker. So how I respond on, say, Twitter (laughs) is often different from how I respond in person. Um, But I've also found that how far folks are willing to go to push me or to offend me is different based on whether or not this is in person or on social media, yeah. right? I, I feel like on social media, they're probably like more bold mm-hmm. and crazy. They're like, let me say something mm-hmm. to ruin this woman's day. Right, exactly. And people are a little less willing to go there with me um, in person. My experience is, a, is the opposite. Interesting. In, in entertainment, especially here in the New York Broadway community, it became apparent very early on in the early days of Facebook, do not post your personal opinions about things because people will paste and copy them. They'll be put on these things. Producers will read them. And then people have these, you know, this ammunition about like, well, actually he said this and it sounds like he's going to be trouble. So let's not go there. So actors in general will not post things on in their social or respond to things that seem like they could be inflammatory or make them enemies. Um, I choose to generally be silent and prove it on the stage. Right. Uh, so I don't. I don't pop off a lot um, anywhere. Yeah. Generally, it's like on the subway. Somewhere <laughs> <laughs> where it's loud already. Place quality. <laughs> exactly. Every, we're all paid that two fifty. <laughs> this is same, same, different. We'll be right back. So, like, how do you decide when it's 
the right time to say something or stay silent? I think I'm as a woman, I'm always assessing safety, um, especially in this political climate. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so sometimes when I go speak somewhere, I ask for a security plan. Um, So I want to know where the exits are. I want to know who's responsible for becoming for standing between me and whoever the aggressor is. Um, So whether or not those things are in place matters a lot to me before I do much of anything. And the other thing is, is I try really hard to be to be proactive so that I'm not in a situation where I expect that kind of aggression. Yeah. So Um, what kind of steps do you take? Well, truthfully, my book has been really helpful. (laughs) (laughs) So before the book, I just had a blog and people would hire me and I didn't know whether they read a nice, happy Austin blog, (laughs) right? Or whether they (laughs) met like... You know, a uh, little more rebel. (laughs) Um, But now that I have a book that begins with white people are exhausting, it tends, you know, it tends to draw a certain crowd who is already committed to justice. But that's been helpful for me um, because it has clarified who my audience is and who my audience is not. You know, maybe I should just walk around with a sign that just says, White people, can you not today? <laughs> can you not? Yeah, it'll like... be it'll be very clarifying for others. I'm gonna write a book. Look at that! Austin just inspired us to write our own books. I mean, honestly, if you have a like sort of, I don't want to call it a manifesto, but if you yeah. have something that is in front of you that precedes you, that's right. That is. You know, then I don't have to answer all those questions. Right. I don't. They don't have to wonder. They That's can right. know c- coming up who this is. And there's a certain cachet that comes along with writing the book. That's right. Um, yeah. And uh, it it brings respect. That's a. Yeah. That's really. That's and I interesting. think I had to do it backwards. It's so interesting that as a writer, I had to start with the vitriol, right? So I had to make my <laughs> mm-hmm. voice known on social media and on blogs, yeah, and, right, and take that vitriol on the front end. But now that it's sort of established as who I am, people are no longer shocked. I think is right. really what happened. Maybe this podcast will just like get people to like see me and be like, you know. Let me not be racist to him today. We it seems like he's getting. had a rough day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seems like he might pop off if I say the wrong thing. Let me just... <laughs> you know, I used to get really mad at myself for not immediately striking back at someone who had offended me. Really? Well, because I wanted to be that black girl who would shake her neck and who white people were afraid of and who popped her gum. And, and it's just not who I am naturally. And, but it used to make me really angry that I couldn't just strike back. Are there times you like wished or like you you know you now wish you could go back and change what you did? Sometimes. But <laughs> o- only when I'm in a really bad state of mind. <laughs> <laughs> so like you're only thinking Not about it. Not from a place of health. <laughs> <laughs> for the longest time for me, I was that guy mm. who would pop off about injustice. My mom is a a union leader and, you know, a rebel. She told me she named me Sydney and my sister Lee because she didn't want anybody to be able to tell what our sex was on our resumes. Right. And that felt good 
But man, no matter if you're right or if you're wrong, if you're perceived as somebody, especially when you have nothing, if you come right. from nothing. Yeah, I right. came from Detroit. Right. I was a college dropout. And I was just believed in that, like, I'm going to go and be in a chorus and then I'm going to be a star. And <laughs> you find... <laughs> I love you, that Broadway voice. That was <laughs> very good. I need to Thank start you. busting that out. <laughs> <laughs> you find, though, that you get there and there's so much nepotism mm. and and you you get there and you see oh oh it's a lot harder you've got to work out three times as hard Thanks. if you have opinions and you stand up for yourself you're generally looked at as problematic problematic yeah. Yeah. they think of you, you know, as difficult unless you're one of these you know grandfathered in white actors who went to Yale or went to Juilliard, right. mm. they won't mess with you as much. You standing up for yourself is perceived like damn right versus, yeah. oh boy, here yeah, goes Sydney that. again. Yep. Oh, and yeah. so it, ha it has hurt me to be silent in the face of things that I have felt are horrible injustice, injustices to me. Uh, and I want to get back to that rebel. Mm. So other than your career, what are some things that kind of hold you back when you want to just like snap back at somebody? Mm. I can't think of anything. <laughs> uh, <Wow. laughs> I will. I mean, I if, maybe I, if I'm too tired, you know, I don't feel like they're <laughs> worth it. That's so real. Yeah. That is so right? real. I'm like, um, uh, but, you know, the other thing um that stopped me for a while um, before I was married to my husband was not uh, legal. He was a visa overstay here from Serbia. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and he would get worried uh, whenever I'd be in public and I might snap back at somebody, right. somebody in a yeah. building or if some if a car like, you know, bumped into our bikes or something. And I'm you know, I would go off because he's not that guy. Right. And he would be like, please, please, I can't have any interactions with the police. I just right. I yeah. can't have that happen. You never know what could happen. And that got me thinking in a yeah. whole other way. Yeah. yeah. Just not wanting mm -hmm. to take that risk is hugely important to the idea of like, when do you say something? Yeah. But yeah. like, why is it important that we as, as people in marginalized communities even have these discussions? Like, why is it important to process all this? Because we have to learn about each other. Mm. We have, if, you know, a lot of this discord and these, you know, what we call snapping back, and it's just because we're not able to just say, well, this is who I am. I am raised by this person, and these are my races, and this is how I identify, and I also don't believe in, you know, Jesus, and accept me. Right. Yeah. I, th I think it's, I think it's also important because of where we started this conversation, which is that so many of us still feel like the other. Oh, yes. Right? And I, and I think if we just had more conversations like this, and I think this is one of the maybe few good things about social media, <laughs> is that mm -hmm. it allows all of us who are, quote unquote, different to find one another. Yes. And to realize we're actually not the only one. <laughs> we're not maybe as yeah. isolated as we feel in our daily lives. And I think if we shared more conversations like this, like I didn't mm -hmm. know when I woke up this morning that I would be talking to a guy with a girl's name, right? As a girl <laughs> with a guy's name, right? right. Like right. who knew? Who knew that was going to happen today? Finding those connections yeah. that right. you wouldn't expect to find. Right. <laughs> well, the future is us. The future mm. is people who have a myriad 
like way of expressing themselves. It's not locked in a box、That's、of、right. yes. this is how you should be. I look at the youngest generations right now, and they use all kind of language that is appropriated from all kinds of races. They dress in all kinds of ways that is appropriated、True. from all kinds of cultures, and they don't care. They identify as pansexual, as bisexual, as、right. all kinds of things, and. They are looking for people like them out there,、right. and that gives、yes. me hope, because we're all. This is a melting pot. That is the experiment of America,、yes. and like it or not, we are all going to end up in the you know, hundred years from now, two hundred years from now, a medium brown color with crazy looking <laughs> eyes, and and, <laughs> and like you know an indistinguishable dialect, and no one's going to judge each other based on. How your hair curls, what you、wow. talk like, how did, what shoes did you wear today? Yes. So we have to keep that in mind as、yeah. well. You can find Sydney Harcourt on Instagram and on his website. He's at sydneyharcourt.com. You can also hear him on the original Hamilton soundtrack, and you can also check out Austin Channing Brown's book, "I'm Still Here: Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness." She's also on Twitter at Austin Channing. Thanks so much for talking and sharing, guys. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it has. You guys, I do feel like I found a little bit of my tribe. You got to find them one by one, and I found two today. I love it. <laughs> Let's keep this conversation going. You can join the same, same, different podcast group on Facebook to talk with me and other fans of the show. You can also find me on Twitter at Bryce Huffman three one three. That's Bryce with a Y, Huffman three one three. Until next time, peace. Same, same, different was made by me, Sarah Hewlett, and Jen Guerra. Big thanks to the rest of the team: Bob Scon, Zoe Clark, Jody Westrick, Emma Winowicki, and Dustin Dwyer. Shout out to Stella's Lounge and the Drunken Retort in Grand Rapids for letting us record our story slams. My buddy Jack Phillipson made the music, and my guy Sean Mack designed the logo. Check out the sweet artwork we've got going on for each episode. This week's is by Stephanie Rodriguez. And hey, if you like what we're doing here, these kinds of conversations from Michigan Radio, kick in twenty bucks. It'll support this podcast and show that you want more conversations, more podcasts like it. Just head to michiganradio.org/different. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.